Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Great to be with you, great to be sharing God's Word and uh, to um, just to share in worship with you and to look at God's Word together uh, with you. Um, I just, uh, it's just so good what Dave shared with us about the impact you as a congregation are having, as a community of faith are having in the Pitjantjara lands and amongst, in the APY lands and uh, um, what, just before COVID a group of us, five of us went up to the APY lands to if you like, spy out the land for future missions trips. And I think probably Lee leading the missions team, there may be Bible distribution and things happening, but it's just so good what you shared, Dave, and just so good what God is doing um, yeah, through you and through all the translators and the, and the ministry that you have. Uh, before I get into sh- looking at God's word with you, I uh, just want to, in a, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be in prison for four days and um, with Kairos, um, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> Um, there's a team of six of us who are coming from Verdun. There's 30 all together who are, we've been in training with us about four full days of training. We've done three, we've got one more to go in a couple of weeks. We'll be in, in uh, Mobilong prison for, uh, for four days, about 10 hour days. And uh, what I, the reason I'm mentioning this is um, uh, we need uh, uh, 700 dozen biscuits. We have 65 dozen biscuits at the moment, probably close to a hundred dozen. But over the next couple of weeks, and multiple churches are involved in this, so don't think this is a sudden big pressure thing for you guys. But um, there's a sign-up sheet uh, at the back there. If, If you and your life group or home group or family would like to just minister God's love and grace to prisoners because some of them just break down when they find out that someone's actually personally uh, cooked a biscuit, a home, not some bought biscuit, but something that's been personally made and they're given it. All the staff end up getting one um, and all the, all the inmates, apart from the ones who come to the uh, Kairos course. And so there's a sign-up sheet at the back, ice cream container there, a couple of other, you might just... Um, um, yeah, just put your name down and how many dozen you're happy to do. And they just need to be brought back by a fortnight's time uh, on Sunday the 20th. And then they'll get to Rory Sweeney from Verdun Congregation Campus. Uh, he's leading the team. Um, and there's also opportunity to write letters. Very simple, short, um, praying for you, want you to know God loves you and you might put a Bible verse on it. But if you might put your name down to write, just get 10 cards, blank cards, and just write a very short um, affirmation in your own, yeah, just a personal written note. Um, that Some of the prisoners just break down when they receive this personal uh, communication from people who don't know them uh, saying they're praying for them. So can I encourage you to pick up on that um, after the service? And um, yeah, and one of the, uh, just in terms of coming back to the biscuits, you can used to be very prescriptive about the kind of biscuits you can make, but um, uh, you can bake whatever sort of biscuits you want, but just don't put icing, sugar or sugar on them. Uh, probably don't put cocaine on them either, but um, just make sure that they uh, um, don't have any white powder of any sort on the top of the biscuits. So, but make your favourite biscuits so it's quick and easy and encourage you to pick up on that um, after the service. There are some recipes there too if you want some guidance uh, with that. I'd like to claim that that wasn't preaching time, that I've just shared those things with you. Um, 
but um, we'll come to look at God's Word now, and uh, as, we, as we do that, I'd like to just pray again, and let's just ask the Lord to speak as we look at His Word. Father, we thank You that even in a, what looks like a working bee work list, Father, in this chapter, we ask, Lord, that You will speak to us, challenge us, cause us to see more deeply what You are saying to us in transforming our lives, transforming our attitudes, transforming us in our ministries and involvement in Your kingdom work. And Lord, we just pray Your Holy Spirit will speak through Your Word now. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. When I was at uh, Norton Summit for 20 years, and there's a couple of people here for the first time, Chris and Kim, I boldly said their name, and I may have got it wrong, um, but I think I got it right. They're they're with us tonight, but they they attend Norton Summit at the moment, and they've only been there a month, and they may... uh, Yeah, um, I want to just share how when we were there, um, I was there for 20 years, and uh, in the... Um, it was an older building and at the time there was just the one um, worship area with a hall at the back and we were bursting at seams in the worship area and we had to extend and people started to want to just uh, do little jobs and tweak some walls here and there and I said, we, look, let's not touch anything until we've got a long-term plan that includes an extension if we need it um, and nothing will get done until uh, that we won't do anything until uh, we've got some concept plan that allows for growth and, and doubling our worship area, which eventually happened, um, and, uh, and, then, and then we'll begin to do things. But one of the things, you know, the old traditional churches, you have a, have a floor and then there's a sort of a step about... At Norton Summit, it was about that six or seven hundred uh, millimetres high. That's about right. Yeah. Anyway, the, there was a step at the front, and we wanted to make sure that in any future developments, that it would all be um, no wheel, you know, sorry wheelchair access, no steps, and that there would be um, uh, just the same level all through the building. So one weekend, we decided to be a weekend job. We had about fifteen or twenty of us. Uh, the courier came and got some photos of what we are doing and uh, we got under this floor and uh, we had chainsaws, car jacks, uh, hammers and nails and you know, timber for stud work and we got the chainsaw and cut off all the main beams of the main floor uh, all around the whole building um, and then jacked it up the 600 and then the carpenter with his nail gun and other people running around underneath the floor. It was a good job there wasn't an occupational health and safety person around. Um, but we, we got the job done. We got the subfl- you know, subframe built and the floor was raised and we were able to make it um, all level. But there was a whiteboard there that had uh, the jobs that had to be done, had the names of the people to do the jobs and uh, everybody knew what they needed to do and they knew they could just come along and they knew where they could go and what they could do and the job got done in one, in one I think we had the service on the Sunday after doing it on a Saturday um, and uh, Nehemiah chapter 3 reads like their whiteboard list of jobs to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and uh, as I read it I thought what is God going to be saying to us uh, through through this passage, and uh, as I read through it, um, I'm going to break every rule of preaching. Uh, and uh, I've, there's there's eleven principles that I'm going to. Don't freak out. I I I 
I, I told uh, Lobethal this morning I would speak and cover them in 15 minutes. It did go a few minutes over that, but that's because my stopwatch uh, cut out and I didn't see it. You know how your phone goes blank? That was my excuse. But we're just going to quickly look through this passage and let God speak to us about doing God's work, God's way, so that his purposes and his will is fulfilled through this community of faith, through Hills Baptist, through us as a combined campuses, community of faith, and just through God's people in any context. And the first thing, the whole project, everything that Nehemiah writes about, the details, all the things that are in the chapter, if you've read the chapter, um, it really sounds like a repeat of what's already been read to you, that's just a list of names and jobs and locations. And uh, as we look at this, everything that was written there that God gave them instructions about was focused on, um, on God's calling and purpose for them. Uh, and, and that shaped everything that they did. And God's calling and purpose for us as his people, as communities of faith, is very clear to make disciples, to uh, build one another up in the faith, to be on mission, to translate the scriptures, to heal the brokenhearted, to touch the lives of people and bring the presence of Christ. And so everything we do needs to be uh, shaped by that. In Psalm 147, uh, in verse 2 and 3, it says, brings the two things together. The Lord uh, builds up Jerusalem and he gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. As they came back to Jerusalem, he was healing their broken hearts about the way things were and about the things that weren't consistent with what God wanted. And, and as they came back and rebuilt the walls, a very practical thing, they were coming back together as God's people and he was, uh, God was healing the brokenhearted and binding up their wounds. And Jesus in Luke 4, verse 18 uh, it said, Jesus, remember, he opened the scroll, declaring his ministry, which continues through us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm reading uh, from the Amplified, the Messiah, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce release, pardon and forgiveness to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised and crushed by tragedy. Jesus came uh, to give his life on the cross, to bring healing and wholeness, not just a ticket to heaven, but to restore and, and renew your life and renew you in, in every way uh, as, as, as the Holy Spirit is at work through you and you're in community uh, with God's people. And so the very first thing in being on mission, in uh, doing God's work God's way, is to keep our eyes focused on God's mission, God's purpose, as uh, Nehemiah was, as he rebuilt the walls, a very practical job that had to be done, part of God's mission in the world. Uh, and and uh, he, it was all shaped by the fact that he knew what God had called him to. The second thing is we see in verse 3, it talks about uh, Elisha, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. The priests and the leaders of the church, of the, uh, was the temple worship and that at the time, weren't, uh, were, weren't too proud uh, and were willing to serve and be people who got their hands dirty and help rebuild the walls and rebuild the gates. And you'll see that repeated uh, throughout this chapter that the... I'll use the term the spiritual leaders got involved in, in, in rebuilding um, the wall and doing the practical stuff as much as the other things that they were doing and called to be uh, as priests in the, amongst the community of Israel. 
And that servant leadership is a key principle in, in, any, minister, in any community of faith. And Jesus rebuked his disciples in Matthew 20, 25 to 20, uh, 28, when they're arguing about who's going to be kind of the, the kingpin in, the, in, in heaven when can, you know, they're arguing about who's going to sit at my right hand and left hand. And Jesus called them together and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first uh, must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, the Lord of the whole universe did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The challenge for the church that's going to be effective on mission is that servant leadership in the home and in the church, not lording it over, not demanding and bossing people around, but someone who simply serves alongside uh, and uh, has a servant heart in everything they're doing. Thirdly, the attention to detail. In verse 3 it says, The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah, and they laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. And if you read the whole chapter, you'll, say, you'll see repeatedly God in his instructions to Nehemiah and those rebuilding the wall gives attention and repeats those sort of things about giving attention to detail about what needed uh, to be done. And for us, as we rebuild people's lives, um, it's, uh, it's attention to the little things that can speak powerfully into people's lives. Um, uh, we're called to uh, not just to bring, give people a ticket to heaven and ignore their struggles and challenges and practical circumstances, but the gospel calls us to relate to people in body, minds, soul and spirit and, and to be a community of faith that ministers in all those areas have we present uh, Christ crucified for their salvation. And so as we give attention to detail and Jesus, when he was uh, talking uh, to the people and he said, look at how the lilies of the field are cared for. And then he went on to say, even the, even the hairs of your head are numbered. And that was his way of telling them, I love you and I care for you and I'm concerned for you. And so as God's people, if we want to be effective, if we want to bring healing and wholeness to others, if we want to do things well in the church practically, we need to have attention to detail and also, and that applies in practical things and it applies in our, in our ministry of bringing the love of Christ uh, to people. And then we'll see that there was clear delegation to the right people. It says in um, verse 4, Merimoth, uh, son of Uriah, the son of Hakoz repaired the next section next to him, Meshulam, son of Berechiah and son of Meshazabel, I hope you're not following this to see whether I'm saying the names right, made repairs uh, next to him, Zadok. So there was, everybody uh, had um, a clear sense of what their role was, where they were meant to work and right throughout the chapter, people are named and uh, things are made clear about what people's uh, responsibilities are. And in the life of the church, whether it be in worship, whether it be in ministry and green team and kairos and all the different ways that um, you reach out into the community, then uh, just to, um, to, to delegate and make it specific, make it clear who's doing what helps and it energises people. I know I'm energised if I know I have a particular responsibility. And I say, Robin, would you mind doing this? And then bang, I'm ready to do it. But if I'm vague and unsure about what I'm meant to do, I'm unmotivated <laughs> and I'm not sure where to go. And so I often would end up uh, doing nothing. And then we see, and this might be challenging for some pastors and leaders, but you accept that some people won't get involved. Um, and it says in verse 5, but their nobles 
would not, and it might have been pride, whether it was sinful attitudes or whether it was for whatever reason, but it says, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. And I'm going to say that I think the most powerful thing when people, for whatever reason, feel they aren't able to be involved and there's a lot of things to do, you don't know what's going on in their lives. Grace and acceptance of their decision is the most powerful thing that might at some point cause them to feel energised and ready to get involved. So I'm saying here that uh, except as it was as they rebuilt Jerusalem, they would have wanted everybody to do something to make the, get the job done. But give grace to those who struggle and are unable to and even if there's issues that they need to work through that are causing them not to get involved, then grace will transform them before compulsion and guilt and making them feel alienated because they're not getting on with what everybody else is doing. And then we see uh, some people uh, are called and we will be called at times to serve outside of our normal gifting. Um, it says in uh, verse 8, Uzeel, uh, the son of Hahaya, one of the goldsmiths, repaired in the next section. And I can't believe it. And one of the perfume makers made repairs to another gate. And I'm thinking, I had a three metre extension put on my shed a couple of years ago and I got Dan Hermel and a, one of his mates who were tradesmen who knew how to build sheds um, and they came and did the job well and they, they got it done in a day and a half. It would have taken me a week, three weeks or something. But normally you would think you find the people and, and that is also part of what you do and we've already alluded to that, how you do get the right people doing the right things. But there are times, all of us, will serve outside our normal gifting. The goldsmith, the, the perfume maker, obviously they knew how to do things. Um, I know a, a jeweller who, who's, a, who's amazing when he, he built a huge barn and a, a wedding reception quiet place, so you might know uh, Shane Hinton. I mean, he's a jeweller, but he's very practical and can do and build sheds and chook sheds that are like a palace and he's just amazing with his hands in every area. So there's times that you will be asked in the ministry of reaching people with the gospel, in bringing healing and wholeness to people through the message of the cross and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and through the, the ministries that God calls you to, there will be times that you will be called to do things that are outside of your normal gifting. But then we see very clearly that they worked as a team it talks about, um, uh, in, in verse 10, it says, Hashabaniah uh, made repairs next to him. And then later on, um, that's repeated quite often through this passage, how it said one person's name and next to him was working, some, someone else was working, and then next to him, someone else. So there was a real sense of team spirit and each person obviously doing what they were meant to do, but they worked shoulder to shoulder in, in getting the job done. And that's so important in the ministries of the church that we work as teams, work shoulder to shoulder, work alongside each other, accept what God is doing through your brothers or sisters and encourage them in what they are doing. But then later on it says, uh, just a, well, only a couple of verses, verse 12, Shalom, son of Halashish, ruler of the half district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. So the whole families were involved. And it wasn't just the bloke's job. It was men and women were serving in this, uh, rebuilding the walls. There wasn't this sort of stereotype of who does what. The daughters were very much involved and it was families working together, working uh, in rebuilding the walls and, um, and working alongside uh, members uh, of, of their family in, in, in the ministry of God's kingdom. And as we bring healing and wholeness to people... Um, 
just having people in your home, whether you're a single um, sharing house or whatever, or whether you're a family with kids or no kids, then um, just having people and hospitality is a powerful, um, just the ministries of families is very powerful in God's kingdom work of bringing healing and wholeness to the brokenhearted, those working through trauma, those facing challenges. And uh, we work as teams and families in God's kingdom. And it's already been touched on in verse 16, humble leadership. Humility is the most powerful thing in the life of the church. Why is there so much division in the church? It's not about doctrine. It's not about different views of women or different views of the second coming or different views of healing. It's about lack of humility and willing to learn and be submissive to one another and see that our fellowship is in Christ and in who he is and what he has done for us and anything that makes us withdraw from our brothers and sisters we've added to the gospel. If I say, you know, you have a different view about the second coming and I need to, I, don't, I just think it's totally unbiblical and I go off and start another fellowship, I've added that, my view to the gospel, uh, I've added my view to the grace of God and the gospel. And so, and it's, as I've, you may, may not have heard me say, but I've, um, you know, um, conviction plus pride equals division. Conviction plus grace and humility equals robust discussion. Uh, as we remain in fellowship because we're one in Christ, have robust discussion and it leads to spiritual growth and deepening of our relationship uh, with God. So humility is a very powerful uh, and uh, important part of um, being on ministry. And Philippians 2.11, I won't read it, I won't, you know the passage where it says, have the mind of Christ who as the King and the Lord of the universe didn't think it too much to let go of all that and come and live and die for us and that and it says about having the attitude of Christ, which was one uh, of humility. And then uh, we see that um, the spiritual and the practical are both uh, um, just as important and are, are, are not um, um, different levels of importance in God's eyes. Um, there's a heresy that is an extreme expression of dividing the spiritual and the practical as so though you're more spiritual if you're a preacher and worship leader and if you're a helper and a coffee maker and a set up the chairs person, you're somehow on a different hierarchy of spirituality. That's absolutely untrue. When you're serving in God's gifting and what he's called you to, whether however public or however quiet, however practical, however spiritual, prayer, preaching, whatever, um, it's just as spiritual to be doing the practical things. And there was a heresy in the church that in its extreme said that material things, and it creeps into the church when we start to divide the spiritual and the practical as those, the ones who are doing the praying and preaching are more spiritual than the ones doing other things. An extreme of that is when uh, people said that to the extreme that the material world is, is evil and the spirit, uh, spiritual world is, is good and, and then you, whatever you're doing in the spirit, that's, that's all good and then you could all, and they legitimised even sin and adultery and all sorts of things because it doesn't matter what your physical is doing, the spiritual is important. That's at a real extreme of that heresy and it creeps into the church if we start to divide the practical and the spiritual. Under God, it's all, you are equal in his sight and it's all, uh, when you are humbly serving in whatever capacity, um, that's godliness in the eyes of God. And almost finally, um, it talks about working enthusiastically 
Barak, the son of Zabiah, zealously repaired another section. It doesn't repeat that word many times, but they were so excited about what God's purpose was and wanting to see it come to fruition and see it fulfilled um, that they were zealously serving uh, and uh, excited about what they were doing. And if they lost their excitement, and I'm going to say to us as God's people, as people of faith, that if you're losing your excitement about your area of ministry, if you're starting to lose the sense of joy in it, um, don't just try and crank up a false facade of joy and enthusiasm. Go back um, to who Jesus is and, and what he has done and let um, that become, go back to the purpose and the calling that God has on all of us and that will, be the, that will cause you, if you're in the right place, that it will renew your passion and zeal for what you're doing. And my final point before I have a conclusion is that um, the take, it says there, uh, um, take care of your homes and your local community. I think I didn't get to change my PowerPoint, but um, the point is, says keep your homes in order, which is a bit blunt and brutal <laughs> for those who might be struggling with their, with their kids if you're, you're not probably uh, got a lot of kids around here in terms of families, but um, in terms of being parents with young kids. But in terms of having your home, it's more um, what, what I want to say is that um, um, it says in verse 28, above the horse gate, the priests made repairs each in front of his own house. Each one did what was uh, their responsibility in their home. I've said in a previous churches I've been in and I've said it around here that to leaders and pastors, your first ministry is to your family. And if that means you're not at an elders meeting, so be it if it's important. And I've never had a suddenly people just don't turn up to meetings because they use that as an excuse. Because, but I want them to know that leaders, that uh, their first ministry is to, if you like, have their own house in order, um, but to care for their family, to be an example to their family. And being an example to your family isn't going to lots of meetings. It's being a person of grace and humility and servanthood uh, and, and compassion and kindness and all those things that reflect the character of Christ. Um, and so uh, the whole sense of um, families um, taking care of and, and, and in terms of God's mission, where we live in shared housing or whatever it might be, we be a small community that cares about our neighbours, that reaches out and reflects in our relationships the way we relate to one another in the, under the same roof and the way we relate to our neighbours. Um, we, if you like, um, under the power of the Holy Spirit, builds God's kingdom as we love our neighbours and love our families and love our brothers and sisters who we're sharing a house with and that will be the expression of rebuilding um, people's lives and, uh, and bringing uh, wholeness and, um, um, and, and restoration in, in people's lives. But in all these things, and this is my final uh, word to you tonight, is that in all these things, we need to be motivated by the love of Christ. We started with his mission, his calling. Um, um, Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 5, 14 and 15, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. And this is very challenging, that we should no longer live for ourselves but for him who died uh, for them and was raised again. So in all these things, on the mission that God has called us to, the Jewish people were called to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. 
Uh, and in doing that, they were rebuilding their own community as a people of faith, and we are called to rebuild people's lives, those who God brings us in touch with, and to be about that. And the principles we've looked at that I believe are in this passage, uh, that God would remind us of those things. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.